0: But it's not the reason you pick this place. It's the people. It's the environment. It's the fans. That's why you pick Warden.
1: Hello. Welcome to Always College Football. Today is Tuesday, October 25th. Thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate it very, very much. I'll tell you what. We got a list and, and a rundown of all the different places that you've downloaded the podcast from. I got to be honest, I didn't think we were going to have a, a handful of downloads in Kabul, Afghanistan. I didn't. Uh, I did not think that we were as big in the United Arab Emirates as we are, but I appreciate you guys very, very much. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for downloading the show. Please like, rate, and subscribe and tell your friends. We have really enjoyed growing this thing from zero to where we're at right now. So we look forward to the continued growth and we appreciate you very much for your help in allowing us to achieve that. If you're on ESPN's YouTube channel, thanks for being here as well. Hit that thumbs up button right below, and it helps the show out. We have a great show in store for you today. We talked yesterday about some of the games of the weekend, and we told you that the best game of the weekend was there in Eugene, or at least maybe the most significant game of the weekend. Well, good news. The head coach of the Oregon Ducks, Dan Lanning, will join us here on the Tuesday edition of Always College Football. But that's not the only thing. There's a lot of you out there right now that are very disappointed with where your team currently is. Well, I got news for you. It might not get better. And I also have even more news for you. Money doesn't grow on trees. We're going to talk about some coaches whose teams have disappointed this year and give you an update or some clarity on exactly what their contract situation looks like. Some of you guys aren't going to like what I have to say. You're not going to like it at all. And if you're a coach listening to this, you're probably not going to like what I have to say either. We don't often go negative here on Always College Football, but today's the day. Why not? It's the end of October, and we're just a week away from, from Halloween. So let's get creepy and let's get dark, if you will, here on Always College Football. So let's not put it off any further. He was the man this past weekend. Let's visit with Dan Lanning. Alright, thrilled to be joined by the head coach of the Oregon Ducks. He's Dan Lanning. He had one of the performances of the weekend. Coach, I gotta ask you before we get into the game, onside kick. Where did that come from, man? You know,
0: every single week, uh, our, our special team staff, we're always looking for an opportunity if something fits. And this is a game where, where they lined up. We felt like, okay, this is a chance that we might have to take it. And then... You know, also going into the game when they, you know, when they elected to, to defer, we knew we weren't going to get the ball in the second half. So we felt like this is a game where possessions really mattered. We wanted to try to steal one, and uh, that was the, the opportunity to take it.
1: And it's amazing to me. Uh, we've seen that go one of two ways. Right. We've seen. Scott Frost do it week week zero, and then we saw Nick Saban do it in the national championship. Uh, you were on that staff, yeah. right there in the 2015 season. That's right,
0: yeah. And you know, I remember the Saturday staff meeting before that game started, talking about it, and you know, very similar this week. Our players on Friday, we had a meeting. I showed them an example. I think it was Old Miss the week before had a surprise onside. Maybe App State um, might have had one as well, but we showed two examples in the team room, and I said, "Is is everybody on board? Because this can go one of two ways." And everybody said, We got your back, let's roll. Um, so it worked out, you know, we're able to execute and it was fun to see.
1: It was awesome, man. And it was one of those I'm watching the tape and I, I don't have I, I wasn't watching no disrespect to the Fox guys. I was I just we were, I was on the air. So like I didn't watch right. so I'm watching the coaches' tape and I'm sitting there, I didn't even know you had it. I'm watching UCLA. I'm looking at the scoreboard. It's like all right, 10-10, 10 or it's 10-3, then they score. It's like all right, 10-10. Next thing I know, next play is 24-10. I was like, what the heck happened? So it was I had to go back and look, man. That's the way to steal momentum and keep the pressure on them. I uh, just want to talk a little bit about the resilience of your bunch. I mean, just uh, tough outcome, week one, but the complete flip. And the reversal that we've seen the last few weeks has been off the charts. How do you describe what's transpired? Yeah,
0: I I just think our guys are really, you know, bought in and taking the approach of growth mindset, right? we said every week, how can we get better? Let's really focus on the process, not the result, um, and and find, you know, opportunities to take the medicine when something goes wrong. And our guys have really bought into that. And I'm excited about our progress. We're certainly not a finished product. We're not where we can be, um, but we've taken steps every single week. I don't think there's a week we've gone backwards, and that's what you hope. Uh, this point in the season
1: well Kenny Dillingham your offensive coordinators he's he's got a hot hand right now too man Uh, I know that you've obviously spent time with him whether it be at Memphis or or having gone against him when he was at Auburn so what was it about his style that made you think hey this is the right guy for us here at Oregon
0: yeah, I want us to have an identity on offense. And Kenny was that guy, you know, really that peer for me in coaching that you always get together and talk ball with in the offseason. And we saw things a lot alike. You know, I wanted to be a team that could run the ball. Um, and he believes in running the ball, you know, and be able to use every ounce of the field, every inch of the field, uh, be a team that can go fast but doesn't have to go fast, um, and really create matchups and think about players and matchups. And I think. Kenny would be the first one to tell you he's got an offensive staff that's phenomenal. He's got great players and that's the secret to being successful on offense, but he's done a great job of every week building off of what we've put in from the week before.
1: It feels so simple. Like when I watch it and I look, i I'm not going to lie. I know you're a defensive guy. Like, I like watching offenses. But I I watch it. It is just the It feels so easy. I know it's probably complex. Let's just say, though, that you're game planning for your offense. Not that you need to give the secrets away, but I'm watching it. It looks very, very simple. But to you as a defense, does it look complex? How? How, how is it looking at it from that perspective?
0: Yeah, I think there's a number of things that make it. it that, the idea is that it is simple, right? Simple for our players to
1: execute, but complicated
0: for the opponent. And uh, a lot of it comes down to numbers and space, right? We're going to make sure that we outnumber you at the point of attack, and we've done a good job of that. And then if you adjust to it, then we have something we can check to. And th- that starts with having a smart quarterback. You know, our quarterback's playing at a really high level. Um, Bo's doing a good job of when the play doesn't fit, getting this into a play that does.
1: When, when you look at what you kind of inherited, Coach, obviously it's a program that had had success, a lot of success, um, that understood in a culture that knew how to win. Uh, so you stepped into a good situation in that regard. But I would also say that when a coach leaves for another place where the players would view it as a lateral move, uh, some players might even view it as a step below lateral. I don't know exactly how they interpret it, but I've talked to coaches in the past that have experienced that. And they said that there there was some mending that needed to be done with the with the players because they were legitimately hurt by the move, so how did you interact with the players when you got there so that they would trust you and that they would lean on you and that you could kind of comfort them maybe when things weren't always great, so how'd you endear yourself to the roster
0: well I, I don't think that's something that happens overnight um. You know, connection is one of the biggest, you know, pieces, one of the DNA traits of our program, and ultimately that takes time. And it's, that process is still happening. Uh, you feel for the players, because they don't always get to control that switch. And I, don't, I know they didn't always, not every player on this team picked me, right? I got to pick them. But uh, I think when you're genuine, when you spend time with guys, and you get to develop those relationships over time, and you make sure the players are kept the main thing, that uh, results will come. You know, and a lot of those pieces of the puzzle were here. We also brought in a lot of pieces, you know, the bone Nicks of the world, the Bucky Irving's. The, I mean, the list can go on and on of the guys that joined us and really have created a, a complete team. You know, with those pieces together.
1: I, I want to get to those players in just a minute, but I still I had forgotten about this until you just started to talk and talked about trying to create those relationships. A lot of guys have have worn that hat and been the coordinator. Jeremy Pruitt, to you know, uh, from Bama to Tennessee. Uh, Kirby smart from Bama to Georgia. They, they tried to Scott Frost probably had the most unique going from UCF to Nebraska, but still coaching UCF in the bowl game. You did that with Georgia last year. But yours is literally three thousand miles away. How did you manage that that time frame from when you were named the head coach at Oregon, trying to recruit for Oregon, while still trying to game plan and win a national championship for
0: Georgia? Maybe the biggest benefit for me was the fact that it was three thousand miles away, right? So it allowed me that helped you. It one hundred percent helped because it allowed me <laughs> from six in the morning till six in the evening, East Coast, to work on Georgia, right? And six in the afternoon, right in Georgia, till one or two in the morning in Georgia to work on Oregon, because the reality is it's only, you know, 11 or 10 o'clock at night when you're wrapping up there. So it ended up being a huge benefit, you know, Zoom, you almost have to thank the pandemic in some ways. I think a lot of us learned how to operate from our computer. Um, I didn't get to be boots on the ground as much. I wanted to spend more time with our guys here and wasn't able to do that, but because of technology and uh, some great coaches, I was able to connect.
1: Yeah, it's insane, man. I still don't exactly know. I mean, it makes sense, but the fact that you were going on you know, four hours sleep for a 31-day period is still also clinically insane. But anyone that's been around you uh, knows that that's probably a little more than you need. Uh, you're a naturally energetic guy. So uh, I know you love the game. I remember the first time I sat down and met with you, Uh, Prior to a game was like a spring game, and you could not have been more jacked up about a spring game. Meanwhile, like we're sitting there, like you got to be kidding me. We got to do a spring game today. Meanwhile, you're bouncing off the walls. Like, what do you attribute that energy to, and that that natural? I don't want to say it's childish, but it's almost like a childish (laughs) excitement that you kind of bring to the sport. Every
0: day feels like Christmas to me. I mean, literally, we get to coach football. Like that's our job. Like, can you believe that? Right. And uh, I'm the guy that enjoys practice. Right. I'm the guy that enjoys you know, really every facet of the game when it comes to, to the football, the game. So it's exciting for me to go out there. I don't I don't feel like I'm going to work. Um, I really enjoy it. I, I enjoy the relationships behind it. Um, but I think if you if you pick a profession that you're you know, you're in love with, you know, literally in love with. That's the that's the way it's going to be.
1: You're also like 24 years old. So <laughs> that helps. You see, there's some great there's some gray coming
0: in here now. There's like four, I, I'm honestly, you're so
1: young. I think you put the gray in your beard just for an opposite. just to give off the yeah, just to give off the impression that you're seasoned. No, you're not fooling yeah, anybody. Man. At least no one that knows you. So. <laughs> well, I think being a coach and like having to endure the ups and downs of the current day, never knowing like what you're going to get from your players, like that would make you turn gray quick. I, I get it completely. Um, when you think about your players, there haven't been many downs for your team, but Bo Nix and, and just how he's played. Yeah, I think it would have been really easy too. And I I look—I don't think enough people have watched you and paid attention, Coach, because I think people kind of made their assessment of you in the first two quarters of the first game of the year, and that's a completely unfair assessment. Bo, you guys were moving the ball. Bo had a couple bad picks. Oh well, Bo still throws picks. What else is new? Now we fast forward to the midway point, and there's a few quarterbacks in the country playing better than Bo Nick. So how was he able to weather that early storm and then get back to business and now playing just phenomenal football for you the last few weeks?
0: Yeah, Bo always knew he had our support, and we always believed in him. And the, the same reasons we brought him here are the same reasons he's having success now. He's been humble. You know, I think something we preach in our program a lot is don't, don't uh, bother yourself with the opinions of others. The only opinions that matter are the opinions in this room and on this team. And, you know, Bo bought into that message and we just went back to work and he is making great decisions right now. Uh, he's not making you know, decisions where he feels like he has to be the hero every play. Some of his best plays are checkdowns. Some of his best plays are when he tucks the ball and runs. Uh, and that's what an elite quarterback does. So really proud of his progress and, and excited to see where he continues to go.
1: Well, it doesn't get, you know, a whole lot easier, obviously. I think the Pac-12 is deep. I think the Pac-12 is talented. Uh, you've been and played for and have two national championships. Um, everyone wants to compare to the Big Ten. Everyone wants to compare to the SEC. Well, you now have lived in the Pac-12 and albeit you still got you, know, you only four conference games at this point. You know where does the Pac-12 stack up? Because I happen to think it's painfully underrated, but you know it better than anybody now that you're living it. Well, how would you assess it? There's
0: great coaches, there's great teams, and there's great players out in this conference. I don't think anybody can really deny that. You look at the success that that uh, some of these teams have had in this conference. I think it really sticks out. And I know anybody that came and experienced the environment this past weekend would sit here and say that feels an awful like uh, an awful lot like being in one of those. Uh, venues in the South, right? And that's what's been really created here in Oregon is we have a special environment. Um, it's really different than anywhere else in the nation. And the, the football that's being played on this side of the country is pretty impressive right now.
1: It really is. What about the talent uh, right now in, in uh, I guess, the West Coast? And, and it feels like, and I, I know, look, with the packed you know, with what's going to happen to pack, some of the uncertainty that's around, you know, your program's in the middle of it. I'm not, I don't expect you to talk about like conference realignment or whatnot, obviously. But my experience, Oregon in my lifetime, granted, I'm, I'm not as young as the guys that are playing now, but Oregon's been a dominant program. Uh, the brand recognition, I would imagine, is still outrageously strong. So when you go on the trail and you're recruiting, say, Los Angeles, you know, is there any hesitation whatsoever given the uncertainty that might surround Oregon and its immediate future where it might be playing or where, you know, they might be playing, what conference they might be competing in.
0: You know, Oregon is is self-sustainable and it has been for a long time. Like you mentioned, this is the kind of place that the brand speaks for itself. I'm I'm still shocked every day when I talk to a new recruit or a potential athlete that can play on our team, how they tell me this was their dream school, right? This has that element um, just because of kids growing up, remembering what you and I remember, right? The Marcus Mariotas of the world, right? The DeAnthony Thomas, the the talent that's been here, and really the brand that's grown. So we don't, you know, we don't worry about the things we can't control. What we do know is we can go really anywhere in America and sign great ballplayers because they want to be a part of what we're doing.
1: This is your. You might laugh at this question, but. <laughs> It's, I think it's worth asking, like you are kind of cut from the same cloth as me and like have been, you know, in the programs that I kind of grew up in. And I always viewed Oregon like, man, I can't believe people are choosing the school for swag. Like that's, you know, I'm, I'm like a old, you know, I'm a 50 year old, 22 year old, like, oh, that's not, that's, but yet. Like, I feel like you and even the previous staff, you've been able... Yes, you still have awesome uniforms. You still have unbelievable uniform combinations. But it's really so much... It used to be that was the identity of Oregon. Now that's like a compliment. And the identity of Oregon is being tough and physical. So how do you think you guys have kind of been able to distance yourself from that with like... Yeah, you still have swag. I'm not trying to deny that there's no swag. But there's a lot more steak and a little less sizzle. It feels yeah, it's a little like.
0: more meat and potatoes, right?
1: It's a little more meat right? and potatoes. <laughs> right, the, the, the reality <laughs>
0: is, how do you do that, Greg? You do that with a 15-play drive on Saturday, right?
1: You do that with right, moments right. like right. that. To put the game on ice, right? You do, you do
0: that with moments like that, and you play a physical brand of ball, and it, it, it happens on practice on, on the field on Tuesday when you say, hey, it's bloody Tuesday. Let's get ready to roll our sleeves up and go. But I'll be honest, if you come look at my closet right now, my shoe game is on point. I mean, I've got more (laughs) gear than I've ever had in my life, and I love that part of it. It's something you have to embrace here, and it certainly makes us different, um, but it's not the reason you pick this place. It's the people. It's the environment. It's the fans. That's why you pick Oregon.
1: And finally, Coach, uh, obviously still so much to play for. You have Cal this week. Cal has been a little up and down. They obviously can, can defend. Wilcox, very familiar with your program, of course, having played there. But when you look at the next five games, I know you're taking it one game at a time. What do you want to see from your program as, and how they finish here in the last five weeks of the season?
0: You know, my goal hasn't changed for our team. You know, My goal since the beginning of the season has been to play our best football at the end of the season. Right? So what, what am I looking for? Sided improvement for, for us to continue to grow. Um, we're, our opponents are going to change over the next few weeks, but the reality is every week we're lining up to play Oregon. We're trying to be the best version of us we got to improve on the things that we can get better at. Um, we're going to play some great opponents, right? But we want to play our best ball at the end. That's the goal.
1: Well, it's certainly, based on the performance last week, Coach, it certainly seems like that's a very reasonable goal, uh, given the trajectory you guys are on. Man, congratulations on an amazing start. Couldn't be happier for you. And look forward to seeing you down the road and continued success.
0: Thanks, Greg. Appreciate you, man.
1: Football season is here, and nothing beats seeing your favorite team live. Not only does Vivid Seats have great NFL ticket prices, they're also the official ticketing partner of ESPN. And with Vivid Seats rewards, when you buy 10 tickets, you get the 11th free. Download the app or visit VividSeats.com today. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. Receiver reward credit equal... To the average price of 10 tickets purchased, excluding taxes, fees, and processing costs. See vividseats.com rewards for terms and conditions. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence. The confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. Great visit with Dan Lanning there. As you can see, guys got so much energy. I remember the first time I visited with him was like, all right, this dude's, he's going places. I felt like handing him the book right there. Oh, the places you will go. Uh, that's kind of how I felt. I was like, this dude's going to be doing something big here very soon. I'm not sure what it's going to be, but he'll be head coach and he'll likely be an ex- a successful one at that. Now, there's going to be some pressure this year to tie Dan Lanning up to like a 10-year deal worth $95 million. Now, I, I don't know if Dan's listening right now. Uh, we just got done with our interview. So I hope he's not listening. I hope his agent's not listening. But don't do it. Okay? If you are Oregon, don't do it. Now, you might feel extra pressure, by the way, if you're Oregon. You've been in a unique situation. You've had not one, but two coaches leave recently in search of, quote, greener pastures, right? Mario Cristobal recently left this past year. More on him in just a second. Willie Taggart left a few years earlier to take over at Florida State. So Oregon's in a bit of a unique situation. And Chip Kelly, mind you, it, he left for the Philadelphia Eagles. So, I mean, there's been examples where Oregon's lost really good coaches. Okay. So I understand why for Oregon this is in, in increasingly, you know, important to have this discussion. But no one can deny that Dan Lanning just had an amazing win, right? The emotions and this and the momentum that Oregon's created is off the charts good. But does it justify a $100 million contract is my question. The answer is no. Want to know why? Because you just don't know where things are going to be down the road. How can you justify a 10-year contract for any of these coaches? I'm I'm just being honest. Like I'm not mad at the agents, and I'm certainly not mad at the coaches. Man, maximize your value. But are you kidding me? 10 years? So the guys that these guys might be coaching on this contract are 8 years old? Are you joking? Like, what are we doing? If you're an administrator, wake up. Like, wake up. Because if you look at some of the contracts right now that have been given to coaches in recent years, there are more bad ones than good ones out there. Let's go through it. We just talked a second ago about Mario Cristobal, did we not? Yeah, well, the contract was 10 years, 80 million. 10 years, 80 million. That was last December. We don't know exactly what the buyout is right now, I might add. Obviously, you know, he's not going to be a one and done. I mean, let's get... Let's not get carried away but they're 3 and 4. I mean their wins are Bethune-Cookman, Southern Miss, and Virginia Tech. They've lost their quarterback. I mean everybody said well Mario Cristobal I mean, he's going to be the guy. He's going to pack Hard Rock Stadium. Like he's going to be the guy that brings everybody out and we're going to completely change the culture. He might very well do that. But if he doesn't take significant strides year 2. If he doesn't take significant strides year 3, Guess what? You still have seven more years left on the contract. It makes absolutely no sense. He's not the only one, I might add. There's contracts like that all over the place. How about Brent Venables? And what's going on in Oklahoma? Now, Oklahoma, remember, unique situation. Everyone's biggest fear is the big reason why I think these guys are getting these significant contracts. Everyone's biggest fear is to be Oklahoma. right? To be Oklahoma and to have a great coach leave your school. Now I know Oklahoma fans have kind of spun it and said, well, you know, Hey, look, we're actually better without him. Like we, we don't need him. Like our program was soft. Like you know, I, I've heard it all. Okay. And this is not, I'm not making fun of Oklahoma fans. I, I hope Brent Venables is great. I, but I, I saw just a couple of weeks ago, I saw them implode in one of the worst performances by an Oklahoma football team since 1998. And What's his contract situation? Six years, $43.5 million for a guy that's never been a head coach before. Seven plus million dollars a year for a guy that has never been a head coach before. Now, they're four and three. It appears like things are very different with Dylan Gabriel under center, and I'm optimistic that the recruiting will get better and they'll improve, but we're talking about a fully guaranteed $43.5 $43.5 million contract for a guy that had never held a position like this before. To me, it doesn't make sense. Not the only one. How about Kirk Ferentz and Iowa? And where they're currently standing? The contract, eight years, $56 million. It was announced in January. The current buyout, $6 million for the remaining length of the deal which would be $42 million at the end of this season. Now, the on-field product is, for lack of a better word, painful. I mean, they're three and four, heading for their first potential losing season in a decade. And the worst part is, their refusal to adjust what they're doing offensively is even more troubling. I mean, I'm not, I don't expect you to all of a sudden turn... What you were as a Iowa football team to now, you know, become Mike Leach and turn air raid? No, I, I don't expect that. But hey, man, what we're doing on offense isn't working. Can we try something different? They're the worst offensive team in the country, one hundred and thirty-first out of 131, averaging two hundred and twenty-seven yards per game. Do you realize that twenty-two percent? of their offensive snaps or of their of their points scored, excuse me. 22% of their points scored are by the defense. Think about that. We are at the midway point and beyond the midway point. It's week 9, ladies and gentlemen, and 22% of their points scored are by the defense. It's alarming. Really alarming. And then we get to Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker, who has one winning season in his career. One. The contract? 10 years, $95 million. He got that after his third full season as a head coach. 10 years, $95 million. There's three and four. Their losses coming consecutively by a combined margin of 81 points. They bounced back, had a good win against Wisconsin, who, by the way, is also under 500. Or might be at 500 now after last week. I don't know. Wherever they are, they're not great. So Michigan State, let's say things don't get better in like two or three years. It's great that you have a billionaire that can stroke the check, but you still are going to owe your head coach like 60 million and remember you gave it to him after his third year third year not at not at Michigan State by the way third year ever as a head coach alarming James Franklin similar situation obviously they owe him another 72 million dollars Steve Sarkeesian Obviously they're five, it feels like they're making progress, right? Like they're they're looking like they're gonna be a little bit better, and the number's not too significant. They owe him, you know, $34 million or whatever over six years, not crazy. So if he got fired after this year, they only owe him $15 million. That's really not that bad. I mean, relatively speaking. And then ultimately, to get to the final number and the final one. And there's others, by the way. There are some that I've excluded just for the sake of time. You get my point. Okay. But you can't have a conversation about irrational contracts without talking about Jimbo Fisher. He's the granddaddy of irrational contracts. 10 years, $95 million signed before the 2021 campaign. Now, they had a great year in COVID. No no one's going to deny that. It was a phenomenal year. Great team, great year, finished number four in the country still lost by four touchdowns to the eventual national champion. Now, I'm hey, a lot of teams lost badly to Bama that year. I get it. But if you are going to pay someone $95 million, shouldn't you at least go toe-to-toe with the national champion? Well, you're going to say, well, what about last year? Great, that's awesome. That's probably my biggest pet peeve with what I've seen from AM is that you look great. You look awesome. Awesome. The two offensive game plans in the last two years that I've liked from AM and m came against Alabama. The other 21 game plans, or however many there have been, have been average. And if not average, maybe in some cases below average. There's very little creativity. There's very little movement and motion. You can tell me, well, they lost their starting quarterback. All right, well, Haynes King was their starting quarterback last year at the preseason. Haynes King hasn't developed at all. It looks just okay. The offensive line's not great. I mean, to what like what justified extending Jimbo Fisher 10 years? If you had to fire him today, that means somebody, or maybe a few different people, have to write a check for 86 million dollars. 86 million dollars. 86 million dollars. That's absurd y'all at, at what point at what point and I want everyone I want you if you're out there listening to this and you are a you're an electrician I want you to make as much money as you can if you're a broadcaster I want you to do as well as you can if you're a coach I want you to do as well as you can. And guess what? If you're an administrator at the college level, I want you to do as well as you can. I want everybody listening to this right now, I want you to make as much money in your lifetime as you possibly can. I absolutely want that for you. That is my wish. I'm not saying that I'm mad at people for maximizing the value of their current contract. All I'm saying is, at what point are we going to start acting rationally? Because... There's something in college football, there's emotion and fandom and excitement. And I get that and I appreciate that. It's awesome. I love it. It's why I'm in it. I'm passionate just like you guys are. But I'm not passionate to the point in which I'm irrational. And giving out nine-figure deals to coaches is irrational. Even if you have three or four great years, everything could come tumbling down in year four and five. And six even. Guess what? Still have four more years on the contract. And for what? Like was, I mean, I know that, yes, there's rare occasion. Or, well, hey, you know, Mel Tucker was getting talked to by LSU or by USC. Okay. Go. Go ahead. That would be my approach. If I were an administrator, I'd say, go ahead. If they're willing to pay you a 10-year deal, Fine. We are not going to be that school. We're just not. If they're willing to pay you $50 million, even though you've never been a head coach before, fine. I'm not doing that. Like, you will earn it here. And if you earn it, and there is significant progress being made, then yeah, you'll get paid. But at the school I'm running, you ain't ever getting 10 years. Not happening. It's going to take some of these... It's going to take an administrator to say no. It's going to take a board of directors and a board of trustees to say no at some point. Like, dare them. Go. Go ahead. You want to leave? Go for it. Because I bet you, more often than not, if you called their bluff, the agent's bluff, there's nowhere else really to go. And there's probably not going to be a place that's going to be as good. Answer me this. Outside of Texas A&M, who would have paid Jimbo Fisher $95 million? LSU? Maybe. I don't know. I'm going to hit you with a WO Nelly. You said that college football administrators are irrational. Aren't college fan bases irrational? Like, if you're a Texas A&M fan and you're watching Georgia LSU and Alabama and Auburn win national titles. Don't you want to pay the coach, one of four active head coaches, the money to try to get you over that hump to get you there? Don't you want to show that your fan base and show that you're invested? If you're Michigan State and you're Penn State and you're watching Ohio State run through the Big Ten, don't you want to sit there and show your fan bases and your alumni and the boosters that you're invested in this? That's why you have to pay. I don't know where else you can put the money towards by putting it towards the coach, which, you know, like Saban set this standard that everybody's trying to live up to. So I guess my question is, you know, you could say go on, but what are you supposed to do for the fan bases to appease an irrational fan base that wants to be there every year? Well, the fan base is allowed to be irrational. Like the fan is short for fanatic. No one's expecting a fan to act with cooler heads. Like, no way. The administration's supposed to be like, hey, look, we hear you, but to me, proving that you're committed to trying to win is not giving a coach a 10-year contract. you know how long and how much can change in 10 years? Like seriously, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, I mean, Texas BCS. We 10 years ago well, yeah, there was a BCS, but 10 years ago, TCU was was in the Big East for like a blink of an eye after leaving the mountain West. all right, 10 years ago, the Big East was actually a decent football conference. Like 10 years ago, we're sitting here looking at a situation in which, you know, who are some of the best teams in college football? Yeah, Bama, LSU, you know, A&M had just hired Kevin Sumlin and everyone wants to draw comparisons to Kevin Sumlin and Jimbo Fisher. Yeah, well, if you gave Jimbo Fisher Johnny Manziel, I bet you his record would be a little bit better than what it currently is. Just being honest, like he's had Kellen Mond, and he's had Max Johnson, and he's had Haynes King. Like, no wonder their record's not as good. Imagine that. So I think looking at like all these different circumstances and and I understand, look, there are ways to prove that you're committed to trying to win than prove to I mean, then to spend money on coaches over a ridiculous amount of time. Ten years makes no sense. Oh, that's the going rate. Is it? How about no? How about no, you get a five-year deal. And if you have a good year, we'll extend it one more year. you have a good year, we'll extend it one more year. And it'll roll over. The reason why it's five is because guys now have eligibility that lasts five years. And you don't want anyone to be able to push back and say, well, who's your head coach going to be? I mean, yeah, these commitments, these 10-year commitments, they make no sense. Look at the buyout numbers that are being floated every single week. Makes no sense. Like, stop giving dumb contracts. And we'll stop looking at situations in which, you know, guys are underperforming. I mean, I don't blame the agents for trying to get maximum security for these coaches. I don't blame them. I just don't understand why the administrators continue to do it.
0: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: Do you have ambitious hiring goals for the last quarter of 2022? With a powerful hiring partner, big goals are no big deal. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, And virtual interviews. Indeed makes hiring all in one place so easy because it takes 10 minutes or less for most small business employers to post a job, according to Indeed Data US. Indeed also has a jaw dropping pool of talent. In fact, three out of four US online job seekers search for jobs on Indeed each month, according to ComStore. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to sponsor your job post at indeed.com slash always. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 offer. All right, so I just want to start by saying, Pat Forty, you gave me the inspiration on the previous rant. Uh, So Pat Forty at Sports Illustrated does an incredible job, does the 40-yard dash. I was reading his article today and honestly became infuriated with what I was reading. So Pat Forty, thank you for turning up the heat in my life this morning uh, in an effort to kind of fire me up for that, uh, that rant on coaches, contracts, and salaries. Here's my final thought, man. It makes no sense. Like Right now, I feel like a lot of the people that sit and serve on board of trustees and or are mega donors to their respective schools, they always act logically. Like you didn't become a billionaire by making dumb decisions. More often than not, right? Like you wouldn't give out a a 7-year, 8-year, 9-year, 10-year contract extension because a guy performed really well in 3 consecutive quarters of his last annual review. Like no, it would need to be over the course of time. Like you're not going to reward a 25-year-old entry-level guy that's getting bumped from just floor manager to to or from co-manager to full manager. You're not going to reward him with, you know, a 10-year contract extension. Like in what in what world do we live in where we now reward people 10-year contracts in an effort to like show that we're committed to trying to perform. We don't. Like in, in no other walk of life. I, hey, I'd love it if if Omaha or ESPN or any of the three letter networks wanted to offer me a 10-year deal. Cool, man. Let's I'm you ready? <laughs> I'd, I'd be up for it in a heartbeat. But they wouldn't. I well, don't you know why because performance needs to be consistent. Performance needs to be continual. Sure. All right. Maybe some broadcasters do sign ten-year deals. Like Tom Brady, currently has a ten-year deal waiting on him. Like Tony Romo signed a ten-year deal. Like I know there are several, right? But ultimately, it should be about continued performance. Like you have to continue to stay sharp. You have to continue to improve. So a lengthy contract extension. If you decide to mail it in after year two, what do you do for the next eight years? I'm not saying any of these coaches are mailing it in either. I'm just saying that this is a performance industry and it's really easy for things to fly off the rail. And I think that we need to pull back big time on some of the contracts. We need to pull back and call the bluff of the agents because these guys aren't going anywhere. Most of the time, they're not going anywhere. So call their bluff. Like if they leave, for instance, you have a Lincoln Riley situation, he leaves Oklahoma. Well, we rolled the dice and lost. It is what it is. We'll go get the next guy. But man, I don't know. But hey, that's where I'm at. Maybe I'm just dumb and don't doesn't make any sense. But these 10-year deals, man, they're ironclad. And you're stuck with your guy, even if he is underperforming. So appreciate you guys being with us little bit of a curmudgeon show today with the exception of our visit with Dan Lanning, which got me all fired up to begin with. So we appreciate you being with us. Please like, rate, and subscribe ESPN's YouTube channel. Or if you're here with us on the podcast, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it subscribe. Please give us the five-star rating. If you don't mind, it'd be awesome. And then of course, tell your friends. Word of mouth is huge. We don't have a big marketing budget at all. We don't have any marketing budget that I'm aware of. So tell your friends, word of mouth is significant and we can tell that that's working because we're seeing our numbers grow on a week-to-week basis, especially on the podcast side. So thank you so much for being with us. For all of us here at Always College Football, for Jack Foster, for Mark Kubiak, I'm Greg McElroy. We hope you have a wonderful day and we'll be back with you tomorrow here on Always College Football.